Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The news continues. Let's go to Chris and Cuomo Primetime. Chris? All right, thank you, Anderson. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. Learn or lose. That's the proposition for Democrats. So question, why would Speaker Pelosi tell her caucus earlier she wanted votes on the Build Back Better bill tonight and infrastructure tomorrow? Why won't they learn the lesson? Don't promise what you can't deliver. So far tonight, no votes scheduled as of this program. But it may be worse if they do vote on Build Back Better because they know the Senate is not ready to pass it because of their own party. The speaker also chose to put four weeks of paid family and medical leave back in the $1.75 trillion plan after scrapping it to get Senator Manchin on board. But he's still locked in the same position he's been articulating for months and says that paid leave has to be in a different bill, not the reconciliation bill. So why put it in? The Democrats are acting like they're playing games with the out party, but this is their own party. Why air your incongruence openly? To expose Manchin is the problem, right? But who loses? The Democrats do, because it is still Democrat dysfunction. Pushback over masks, mandates, bias, policing. These are all symptoms of this growing idea that government doesn't help, can't help, can't help but mess with people. This is the existential threat to Democrats. Now, perversely, and I'm, you know, they're not in a good position, um, but they're not in a good position for good reason. Hear me out. Perversely, one political party is about feeding fears that government cannot do anything. So it is on the Democrats to show it can. That's the harder part of the equation. As my father used to say, may rest in peace, any jackass can kick down a barn. It takes a good man or woman to build one. So there's no question that the right is making the easy play, play to cynicism. Now, here's the problem for the Democrats. They're fighting the good fight. That's not me saying so. They said so. That was their pledge. And for months now, While promising that we'll show you government can work to end the chaos, they've demonstrated that the core of their pledge is a false premise. And if government is not getting things done that help, it is only seen as that which hurts. And Senator Manchin said that out loud today. You want to know what's wrong with the place? I go to work in a hostile working environment every day. If you're a Democrat and a Republican's up for election, You're supposed to be against that person. These are people you're working with. You have an obligation and responsibility to get something done. Now, I was tempted to say, Joe Manchin, who are you working with? 
you have this dream that the Republicans will work with you. They've done nothing but oppose and they will do nothing but oppose. Oh, what about the infrastructure bill? That was in the making for a very long time. On any of the things that the Democrats want to own, they won't work with you. Wake up. Welcome to politics. That's what I was tempted to say. But what is that? That's me feeling the fever, right, of this fatalistic notion about government that I want. I'm tempted to say to him, hey, that's how it works. Hate them. They're your enemy. But that's not the way it's supposed to work. And this isn't about the Democrats not getting it. That's lazy. That's an easy media narrative. It's appetizing, but it's not accurate. They get it. Proof. People want us to get things done. They want us to get things done. They get it. They're just not getting it done. And if Democrats want to get reelected, they need to ask why they are not getting it done. And the answer is the man and woman in the mirror. It's not just Joe Manchin. Listen, I'll tell you why it's not just, and no, I'm not defending Joe Manchin, okay? Just because he's got Italian blood doesn't mean that we're on the same page. I've only met the guy once or twice in my life in person. And his positions have strengths and weaknesses, like the rest of them. But Manchin has always been where he is on these policies. He said it in a letter. Remember? So why would the Democrats put out something that they knew they couldn't deliver within their own party? Think about that. You're trying to prove that government can work. And you're going to make a play that you know you can't even get done in-house, let alone with the other side? Who takes the blame? Because that's stupid. That's bad politics. It's bad leadership. It's bad governance. Biden takes the brunt. Why? Because he's the president. It's his agenda. The buck should stop with him. But here's my problem with that. Joe Manchin sent that letter to Joe Biden? No. Who did he send that letter to? Who signed it, acknowledging that they knew where Joe Manchin was on all these things that since have come as a surprise? That wasn't Joe Biden. That was this man. Democrats are closer than we've ever been. But we're going to keep working, keep working till we get this done. You're working against yourselves. That's not what the people wanted. You know, working sounds like you're doing the the voters' business. You're not. You're fighting with your own. Until we get this done, where have you been? Senator Chuck Schumer is not a camera-shy guy until lately. He may pick friendly venues where he's not going to get pushed too hard, but that doesn't make him unusual. What makes him unusual is that he's not delivering as the leader of the Senate. We hear more about Mitch McConnell within the Democrat dealings than we do the Democrat leader. Chuck Schumer couldn't even get his own pick for mayor in his state, New York, the city, Buffalo. He couldn't even get her elected Tuesday. He backed a socialist. He took that big step to the left, told people, this is the person. She won the primary, beat the incumbent, but then likely got beaten by the same incumbent in a write-in campaign. A write-in? That's usually an other, right? Who'd you, who'd you vote for? Oh, I wrote in. Who? Mickey Mouse, right? Those are the stories you hear. When's the last time a write-in candidate won in a major race against the candidate that the Senate leader said to vote for? 
and got trounced if the returns are right. We got to see. We got to wait. Doesn't look good for Schumer or the Democrats. You said government can work. Give us a chance. You haven't even gotten your own party together. You were weighed and measured and found lacking Tuesday. And with good reason. If you want to restore faith in government, and you should want that, you are fighting the good fight. You're just not fighting it well. You have to show that you are better than the hate parade on the right. Otherwise, you're just fueling their fire. You are now proof of their case of government dysfunction. So far, the people believe you have failed. Now, the good news is, for Democrats, you still got time. These weren't the midterms. The media just, we're just treating it like they were. <laughs> but, but they weren't, right? But you having time, so what if you don't plan to change? That's why I started with the questions about Pelosi's tactics. Pass the infrastructure bill. Get the win. See where that takes you. Now, on the theory that now, even when you pass all these goodies for people in the infrastructure and the Build Back Better bill, and be clear, I think a straight read on it is you have much needed measures coming to more people than have been helped in a generation. But even when it passes, the work is tainted. Democrats need to show government can fix the real problem now. This will be good for you, but people aren't going to forget how this happened. You know, there's this notion on the left and with their buddies in the media that as long as we pass it, all this process, nobody cares. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, they care. You just saw on Tuesday that they care. So here's what you got to do. You have to face the existential question. Can we make government work? And if you're going to prove that it can, you have to do it on the signature issue, securing the signature expression of voice, voting. And it may take a filibuster shift. And I get the arguments on both sides of that. But right now, this toxic two-party system, there is no motivation for cooperation. And for the Democrats, but Manchin, it's not good enough. But Manchin keeps saying that, and you're going to all be back home living in them, not in power. Yoda, do or do not, there is no try. Working hard is expected. Results are all that matter. The existential question is not whether or not Democrats get the mood. It's whether or not they can make government work. And I think it is an open question whether or not it can. Let's take it to the better minds. Former Republican Ohio Governor John Kasich, former Republican strategist Stuart Stevens. Uh, let's start with the proposition to both of you, good gentlemen, and thank you for being on the program. Uh, do both of you believe that in this system, with our two parties, toxic as it is, that government can work. Governor Kasich. Absolutely, it can work. But government really usually needs to be a last resort, not a first resort, because of the bureaucracy connected to it. Chris, I agreed with much of what you said, and I've been saying for months now that they need to pass the infrastructure bill. I mean, forget this build back better, whatever it is, pass the infrastructure bill, take it to the House. If the progressives won't vote for it, then Biden goes to the Republicans and say, I need you. And if they don't vote for it, he travels the country and he makes his point that nobody wants to cooperate. I'm going to force them to cooperate. I'm going to get this done. On the Build Back Better bill, 
Manchin just said it. I heard it just here on, I saw a scroll just before I came on the show. Break that big package up into things that people can understand. I mean, people do care about a child tax credit. They do care about family leave. Break it up. Don't shove it all through. Figure out how you're going to pay for it. And, and then also, end the group think inside the White House. You've got to have people telling the president the truth. Everybody can't tell him what's, what he wants to hear. And finally, what is his passion? What does he really feel strongly about? I can't figure out what it is right now, Chris. And they need to get an issue that can relate to all Americans beyond all this. And I'll give you one. I'm kind of involved with it. And so is your, uh, so is your brother-in-law. The issue of mental health touches every American for kids, for adults. You can rally around something like that. You can get this kind of thing done. Mm. Uh, well, look, on the last point, Stuart, uh, to bounce it over to you, uh, it's way past time. Every family we know, uh, you, you're Kasich's family, Stevens family, Cuomo's family. Uh, if we don't believe that we are directly connected to or care deeply about someone who struggles with mental health the same way uh, we see with physical health, right? It's all the same. We just call it different things because of stigma. We're lying. <laughs> so we're way past due on it. But the governor's quick rush to say, yes, government can work. Where does the confidence in that position come from, though, Stuart, when your party is resolutely against doing anything with the Democrats? So how can government work? And are the Democrats maybe fighting the good fight, but to no effect? They can't even get it through their own side. Uh, well, it's my former party, Chris, for uh, all the reasons that we've talked about. Um, I think it's really important that Democrats understand that this isn't a normal time. I think they're looking at this and thinking it's back when you know the governor was in Congress and getting things done. Um, you have a party. You can't negotiate with a party that doesn't believe that you're a legally elected president. And that's the reality here. So to me, when people talk about three parties, there really are three parties now. There's a party of no, which are Republicans. And then there's two parties inside the Democratic Party, which ultimately can be a strength and that it reflects more of the diversity in the country. And the, but it's, it's a great challenge. And you have to come to grips between, call it the Biden wing and call it the, the Bernie Sanders wing. And the, that battle is going to decide, I think, the future of major policy issues. But they have to conduct this with the appreciation that what this is really about is preserving democracy. Because if they lose the House, it's not going to be Kevin McCarthy who's speaker. It's going to be Jim Jordan. They'll put Kevin McCarthy's head on a spike. And it's going to be just absolute madness. And they'll move into 24 and support Donald Trump. And we're off to the races of ending democracy like we know it. So act like that. Act like democracy is at stake. And I think that'll change how you feel about, you know, whether or not it's 1.8 trillion or 1.6, because ultimately 20 years from now, that's not going to be remembered. But whether or not we lost democracy will. Uh, Governor, uh, last word to you quickly about whether or not you believe uh, that the hill to die on is securing the democracy, specifically uh, the right to vote. Yeah, I think it's very important. I think they have a reasonable bill there that uh, Joe Manchin helped put together and uh, they ought to try to move on that. But, but frankly, Chris, to me, the number one thing Democrats should do is pass the infrastructure bill. Republicans supported it in the Senate, put it to them in the House and force them up or down for it or against it. That's what I would do. And uh, either way, if you're the president of the United States, you'll be a winner. Whether you win that vote or whether you don't, you'll be a winner. Get it done. People want it. Everybody in this country understands highways, bridges, 
airports. They want this fixed. That'll show them that government can, can be capable of working. Governor Kasich, Stuart Stevens, appreciate you both. What does a leading progressive voice make of her party's ongoing struggles? Let's turn to Congresswoman Katie Porter, as smart as they come. Do we believe that the Democrats know how to do better? Next. If you're looking for something that's a window into the state of play here, take a look at the White House pushing back against this statement from Virginia moderate Abigail Spanberger. She seemed to suggest that Biden's agenda is far bigger than what voters wanted and why they put him in office. Quote, nobody elected him to be FDR. This is not too much. This is what needs to happen. And it should have happened decades ago. It's been some time since we actually invested in our country and invested in American public. You should have invested in dealing with your own party and figuring out what you could pass before you went out with the offer. That's what would have made sense. Moderate Democrats, by the way, don't agree with what you just heard. That's why Biden is still having to make calls tonight to get them on board, especially in the Senate, where the Senate leader for the Democrats, Schumer, you know, when's the last time you saw him talking about what, how he's getting it done? So where do things stand? Let's bring in a truly better mind. Deputy Chair of the Progressive Caucus, Congresswoman Katie Porter. Uh, I generally know better than to go toe-to-toe with you. I'm generally bringing you on here to explain things. Um, But tonight, I got the facts on my side. Um, It is political malpractice to push out something when you don't even have it through your own ranks. And your party, not your caucus, but your party, keeps making the same mistake. Even Pelosi trying to have a vote tonight on the Build Back Better bill. Why? When you know you're not going to get it through the Senate. What's your party up to? Well, look, we have a bicameral legislation. That means we have a uh, legislature. That means we have a House and a Senate. One of us has to go first. And in this case, at this point, it's pretty clear that the House needs to act first on the Build Back Better Act. And I think we are all prepared to do that. The negotiations and conversations, when I just walked back from the Capitol, were ongoing, but wrapping up. And I think we will vote to pass this bill tomorrow. Which bill? The Build Back Better Act and... Also, we will pass the infrastructure bill tomorrow. I think we're going to pass them on the same day and send them over. And the Build Back Better Act will then go over to the Senate. The infrastructure bill will head to the president's desk for signature. All due deference. And I am a big fan of Schoolhouse Rock. So I always like uh, understanding how a bill becomes a law. But, but this is your own party that you're doing this with. It makes perfect sense if you were playing against your opponents, but you're not. And this is stuff that you're supposed to do in-house, figure out. Go to your leadership, get the votes, and then worry about how to fight the other side. How can people believe that government can get things done with Democrats when Democrats can't get things done with Democrats? Well, first, Democrats have gotten things done this year. 
Our unemployment rate is low. Wage growth is up. GDP is growing. We have shots in arms. We delivered money to help people with coronavirus. We've taken action to rejoin the Paris Climate Agreement, and we've protected public lands. So we have gotten things done already this year. There is no doubt that we need to get these bills finished. We need to get them done. We need to see what the Senate does with them. But I think we are on a path to doing that, and the end is coming very, very soon. Literally, I think within the next 24 hours. And I am very, very ready, as I know the American people are, to get these bills passed. Look, Chris, people understand that debate and disagreement, whether it's within a party or between parties, is part of democracy. This is not the easiest form of government, but this is a form of government that we're committed to because we think it reaches the best results and gives the most opportunity for that debate that makes the best policy. That is exactly what we're trying to do tonight. Representative, do you believe that the mandate that was delivered to the Democrats was the voters saying, we're okay if you guys can't agree on things within your own party? Well, with regard to the election results that we saw this week, look, the American people had some struggles that we're facing. We're dealing with high child care costs. We're dealing with climate change. Those were problems on Monday. The election came on Tuesday. Those are still problems on Wednesday. There are still problems today. So there's no doubt that the biggest problem we have in politics in, in our country is that Americans have distrust of both Democrats and Republicans. They're constantly unsure who in Washington they can count on to fight for them. And I think it's incumbent on each one of us. I certainly take this to heart each and every day to try to get up and show the American people that I'm putting their interests first. Until one party or the other figures out how to convince the American people that we will do that day in, day out, year in, year out, we're going to keep seeing these movements back and forth between Democrats and Republicans as we did in the last two elections. But when the Democrats make the promise, we can make government work, an end to the chaos. And then you spend months fighting yourselves and having leadership not get it done. Again, all due respect. You know, I've known Nancy Pelosi my entire life. I, I do not question her bona fides. Um, this isn't about her. It's about Chuck Schumer in the Senate. We shouldn't be hearing about Joe Manchin all the time. Joe Manchin's not the leader of the Senate. When the president said, can you get this done? Chuck Schumer knew because of that letter that he's supposed to say no, Representative Porter. I can't get Joe Manchin. Let's not go forward on this. We got to figure it out another way in the House. Let's not go out three and a half trillion because I can't get it done. He sent me a letter. Can't you blame him? Well, look, I don't think we're going to advance any accomplishments for the American people with blame. I think we're going to advance accomplishments by negotiating and coming to the table. I, but it's how you learn the lesson. It's how you learn the lesson. It's how you learn the lesson of why this has been stalled so long. That would be my point. Back to you. Well, look, it hasn't been stalled a long time. Yes. Is that frustrating? Yes. Believe you me, we are frustrated. But the reality is we have the votes we have. Chris, you know it and I know it. It's simple math. We have exactly 50 votes in the Mm -hmm. Senate. We are not able to pass things through normal Senate procedure. So when someone says we ought to break this up into a bunch of small bills and do them separately, what they're really saying is we shouldn't pass these things at all because we will not, sadly, in this political environment, get Republicans to come over and work on issues like child care, work on issues like climate change, work on issues like prescription drug prices. And so we have to do this through reconciliation, and that makes it a bigger, more unwieldy, more difficult and longer process than if we were acting on each one of these issues separately. 
But if we try to take these issues on separately, we do not flat out have the votes. I think you're right. And I think that you work hard and I think you work for the right reasons. And that's why I appreciate you being on this show. But there is no but. Full stop. Your party, though, and the leadership better figure it out because this does not look like making government work to voters. And you got lucky. That was a warning on Tuesday. You've got a year plus to figure it out. Let's see what you do with the time. Congresswoman Katie Porter, always a pleasure. Appreciate you making the case. Thank you so much. All right. Now, you know what's nice about when you win? Nobody complains about the elections being fugazi or rigged. You notice that? GOP just happy with the votes. Why? Because they won. Remember that. And remember that their high dudgeon is just deception. And that when they're upset, they're just trying to play to advantage. My God, that's a lot of speculation. How dare you? Where's the proof? Glad you asked. Glad you asked. We have proof you've never seen before of just how brazen, ugly, and obvious the intentions are. These people are trying to get you to hate what you're supposed to love. And if you don't believe me, see with your own eyes, listen with your own ears. Next. Never seen video obtained exclusively by CNN's Tierney Sneed. You watch and see how obvious and ugly the former president's intent is. Started with lies about caravans of brown people coming for your women, taking your jobs, and bringing drugs. And ended with a mob of red hats convinced to attack the government, trumpeted as the cause of all that concern. The proof of his purpose is in his people. You'll see names, Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, others, under oath, on camera, depositions, lawsuit by a former executive with Dominion Voting Systems who claims he was defamed by the Trump campaign, Giuliani, Powell, prominent conservatives. The defendants are moving to dismiss the case. That's pending. But they did do the depositions. And on video, you'll hear how they lay out the objective, namely feeding fears. Not with facts. Facts be damned. No proof of truth necessary. Case in point, a conspiracy theory that has been played mostly for laughs. Bizarre claim made on national TV. Two American companies were working with a dead Venezuelan dictator. Absurd, yet absorbed. Listen. President Trump. We had a report that uh, the heads of Dominion and Smartmatic, somewhere in the mid-teens, you know, 2013, 14, whatever, went down to Venezuela for a get-to-know meeting with Maduro so they could demonstrate to Maduro the kind of vote-fixing they did for for um, for Chavez. Barely say it, let alone believe it. Fallen man. From America's mayor to Trump's stooge, a former federal prosecutor who says repeatedly he couldn't be bothered to verify whether any of the claims he was making were backed up by facts. You say the heads of Dominion and Smartmatic? Yes, that's what I was told before the press conference I was told about it. 
sometimes I go and look myself online when stuff comes up. This time I didn't have the time to do it. It's not my job in a fast-moving case to go out and investigate every piece of evidence that's given to me. Otherwise, you're never going to write a story. You never come to a conclusion. First of all, it wasn't a case. It was and is a con. And Rudy likely knew it. Now, why would I say that? Because the Trump camp had a memo debunking the claims of election fraud, yet they didn't say a word. Under oath, Sidney Powell forced to admit that getting to the truth was never an objective. You uh, had the um, ear of a number of uh, conservative media outlets. Why did you not um, ask to provide a statement correcting that uh, the misstatement that you had recorded? That didn't seem to be the material part of the inquiry. Material part. The truth wasn't material. Now, look, you'll say, hey, look, in politics, they all lie. That's not true. But you can feel that way. I understand why you would if you don't have good reason to be cynical right now. But just know, if you or anyone decides to still put stock in Trump's sludge, you now know you are buying a bunch of lies designed to destroy confidence in government. Listen to the response to why the Trumpets would ignore a report that corrected their assertions done by the Department of Homeland Security on the integrity of the election. I'm asking if the Trump campaign read this and considered it. Not to my knowledge. Why would they not have read this? It it comes from the U.S. government. (laughs) Objective form and foundation. Rudy's justification for spreading sputum is that everybody does it. So what we have here is a battle to the bottom. What does that mean for where we're all headed? For that, we're going to turn to Norm Eisen. Next. The chair of the January 6th committee says about 20 new subpoenas are going out, quote, soon. This as lawyers for the former president appeared in court to try and keep documents about the Capitol riot secret. Let's discuss whether government works well enough to uncover the truth with Norm Eisen. What's the answer? Uh, The answer is yes, it's already starting to uncover the truth. And Chris, it now will be up to the D.C. Circuit to prove me right or wrong. So you go through. You get the documents. You see that Trump was talking to people. There was some kind of knowledge. There was a semblance of suggestion uh, that let's see what happens. He was too quiet for too long. Then what? Well, um, the the thing that happens next is that uh, uh, we we see the devastating uh, consequences uh, uh, of the insurrection. Uh, And I think we're going to get these additional documents, and I think they're going to have some very explosive information in them. When this, it's clear that Judge Chutkin is going to open the door, Chris, and uh, I think on appeal it's going to move quicker than some fear. Am I wrong 
to be cynical about the impact of the outcome. Uh, to see, I see support for Trump as people using him as a proxy for their animus against the entire system. He has never been an antidote. He has always been a virus injected into the political corpus to make it sick because people hate it. Will that change? Uh, Chris, I I think we've already seen a uh, national dawning as to what Trump represents. And as these facts come out, uh, they will have impact. That is why this litigation, the civil libel litigation you were talking about earlier on the show, this um, litigation over the committee's subpoenas, they're getting to the truth. People do pay attention to the truth. And that truth inoculates against the virus of lies and hate that you're talking about. I'm with you. But so much of the truth is about, or people accepting something is true, it's about who's telling them it. And that's why I have some hope for this iteration, because it's about documents. Um, You can't like or dislike documents. They're documents. They say what they say. They mean what they say. And hopefully, if you get paper, people will see it as a reasonable basis to make an informed opinion. Norm Eisen, you are always part of an informed opinion. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks, Chris. Now, I'm off uh, tomorrow night, but the game is on. You can have a CNN special report trumping democracy and American coup right in this slot tomorrow night. All right. Sports world. Star quarterback benched for Sunday after testing positive for COVID. So what happens, right? Not like this. Aaron Rodgers. Big deal. Lots of commercials. His words and actions up to this point bring a whole new set of questions to the issue of pro athletes in this virus. Let's see what Bob Costas thinks. Aaron Rodgers. What's the action that's needed to be taken here? Next. The fugaziometer is going ding, 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 up against the needle. Why? Because this does not smell good what's going on with the Green Bay Packers star quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. He's not playing this Sunday against the Chiefs. COVID protocols, says the head coach. But what does that mean? The NFL Network and ESPN say that the quarterback has tested positive for the virus. Wish him well. Hope he recovers quickly. Hope he's asymptomatic. And they report he is not vaccinated, which makes this statement from the MVP back in August all the more perplexing. Are you vaccinated and what's your stance on on vaccinations? Yeah, I've been immunized. Um, You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of conversation around it, around the league and a lot of guys who have made statements and I've made statements, owners who made statements. you know, there's guys on the team that haven't been vaccinated. Uh, I think it's a personal decision. I'm not going to judge those guys. Is he one of those guys? He said, I'm immunized. He didn't say I'm vaccinated. Could mean the same thing. Could not mean the same thing. Same Aaron Rodgers, who was not seen observing any of the protocols for unvaccinated players since training camp opened in late July. And here he is partying it up for Halloween with some of his teammates. What's going on? Is he vaccinated or not? Why don't we know that answer? Or why isn't it reaffirmed immediately? 
And if he isn't, what should the penalty be? Bob Costas, what's your take, brother? Well, he is not vaccinated. What happened, Chris, was that at some point during training camp or just before, he petitioned the NFL to be listed as vaccinated. He had apparently sought some sort of homeopathic remedy. The NFL rejected that petition. So he has officially been unvaccinated the entire season. And the proof of that is that unvaccinated players, and they comprise now only about 5% of NFL rosters, unvaccinated players have to be tested every single day. Vaccinated players are tested once a week. There are also other obvious protocols involving unvaccinated players. They're not supposed to travel on team charters. They have to get there separately. They're not allowed to leave their rooms for any other reason except team meetings and the games themselves when they're on the road. They have to be separated by six feet in the locker room. They have special lockers, often with plexiglass between them. They're supposed to wear masks at all times when at a, a team facility. So it would be obvious that... The team had to know because they're testing him every day. The league knew. If they're testing him every day. If they're testing him every day. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really really honest question as to whether or not Aaron Rodgers has been able to do whatever the hell he wants to do because of who he is. And Mm -hmm. if so, and this all gets blown up, what should the penalty be? Well, both he and the team could be liable for penalties. There have been teams already that have been fined hundreds of thousands of dollars, and the Saints and the Raiders lost low-round draft picks for failing to follow the protocols as carefully as they should have followed them. When it comes to Aaron himself, there are a lot of people already in the media who cover the NFL on a daily basis, which I no longer do, who have labeled him a liar. If you want to be extremely kind, you could say that he was disingenuous. He was obviously comfortable with most of the media and football fans nearly unanimously believing that he was vaccinated. The other thing about this is when people say it's a personal choice, I don't want to be overly glib about this, but it's a personal choice whether or not to get a tattoo or whether you're going to have the sushi or the pizza. But it's not a personal choice when it affects other people, not only their health, for obvious reasons, but in the case of athletes on a team, it affects your team and their chance to win. An unvaccinated player, even if he's asymptomatic, must be quarantined for at least 10 days. So he misses not just this weekend's game against Kansas City, the earliest he could return without having practiced or been part of any team meetings is the day before their next home game against Seattle. So in effect, he could miss two games. They're seven and one. They're vying not just for a playoff spot, but perhaps for the number one seed and home field and a bye and all those things. And he's put that in jeopardy. How is that solely a personal decision when you're not only part of a team, you're the single most important component of the team. The quarterback in football is the single most important position in all the team sports. That's obvious. Here's what I want to see. I want to see Aaron Rodgers, assuming that he's healthy enough, own it. Say that you're not vaccinated. You can say why. Say what you did. Say what you didn't do. Be straight. You're too important to the league for them to do anything that bad to you anyway. Um, But own it. Because I'm telling you what's going to happen right now, Bob. No matter what comes out about him, Mm -hmm. it is going to be a reinforcement for exactly every color of cynicism and suck we have going on about COVID. People who are anti-vax are hesitant or against mandates or getting fueled into this thing of big brother all the time. They're going to support him, even though it may be the case Mm -hmm. that he's done everything wrong. And 
then on the other side, people are going to want to see him cancel. Now, I don't think that's right either. Um, but I want to hear him own it. That's what we need. That's what everybody needs. The fans, society, someone to just own the truth. Well, no matter how anti-facts, anti-science, anti-common sense some of the anti-vaxxers are, people like Carson Wentz and Cole Beasley and Kirk Cousins in the NFL, or more in a more celebrated, if that's the right word, certainly the more uh, focused upon case of Kyrie Irving in the NBA, say whatever else you want. They've all owned it. They've all come out and said, this is what I believe. This is what I'm doing. Aaron Rodgers was disingenuous about it. Uh, and I think his reputation is one of the greatest players of all time. Mm-hmm. That's obvious. But his reputation is going to take a hit out of this. He may get some support, but on balance, his reputation is going to be hurt. We'll see how he handles it. We'll see how he handles it. Bob Costas, I'll tell you how you handled it. You're a pro. Thank you very much. Always a plus. Thank you, Chris. All right, let's take a breather. Come right back with the handoff. Thank you for watching. It is now time for the big show. Don Lemon tonight with its big star, D. Lemon. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.